this week, our executive producer, Adam Gobeski, suggested we watch the 1971 French film Trafic, which seems to be about a lot of people having fun in various modes of transportation. But instead, we opted to watch the 1969 film Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Welcome to another episode of Cinematic Respect. I'm your first co-host, Jessica Clares. And I'm your second co-host, Charlie Wallace. Jessica, yes, it Charles. is time for our second of our two-part Robert Redford retrospective, <laughs> which was completely planned, not coincidental whatsoever. No, no. And you don't know why? Because we're planners. Robert Redford is retiring from acting. The Allegedly. Old Man and the Gun is the movie that's coming out. It's mm-hmm. It will be his last, but we decided to at least pay a little bit of... I guess cinematic respect <laughs> to him. I have to be able to use the title for something, sure. right? Sure. <laughs> I mean, you might as well plug it here. Good. Um, so the movie that we're watching today is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And the guests that chose it were return guests, third time, actually. Woohoo! Uh, Adam and Ellie, welcome back to the show. Hello. Hi, thanks, thanks for having us back. Yeah, thanks for having us. Why Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? I mean, I'm I, so I'm revealing it here. We didn't actually purposely plan this. It was a nice coincidence, but you're the ones who chose this movie. <laughs> it just happened to be after another Robert Redford movie. We watched all the President's Men for last episode. So the actual reason was that we pulled up the spreadsheet of potential movies that we had filled out. And with they only what? made it to the bees. <laughs> also, That's we weren't good. quite sure if it was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or Smokey and the Bandit that we were actually going to watch. Uh, we just kind of picked one because we hadn't seen either. Were you happy with your choice? Would you rather have watched Smokey and the Bandit? We'd I have mean, to watch Smokey and the Bandit first. I, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a little bit different a film. There's there's similar elements, I suppose. I mean, they're they're both running from the cops. I think I don't yes, know. Yes, at times. Yes, at times. Yeah. <laughs> No idea, but I was yeah. pleasantly surprised to see the guy from the pasta sauce uh, oh my in the movie. <laughs> oh my gosh, it hurts. I actually, I actually didn't even know that Paul Newman uh, was an actor um, <laughs> until at one point I saw the pasta sauce and Adam informed me that um, he was actually a guy that might be famous. What, and what? Now, I, now I've actually seen him in something. How, how, how long ago were you informed that he doesn't just make pasta and salad dressing? Um, this might have been in the last two years. <laughs> And and Charlie, I think I think our life's work here has been achieved right now. Just bringing her to a film with right. Paul Newman in it, like I feel like we've done something good in our lives. <laughs> so the spreadsheet mostly did the job here, <laughs> pretty much. But but it doesn't matter. I'm taking credit. <laughs> uh, so a quick synopsis: in the early 1900s, Butch Cassidy, played by Paul Newman, and the Sundance Kid played by Robert Redford, are continuing their Wild West exploits with their outlaw band, the Hole in the Wall Gang. Uh, Chief amongst their activities is robbing banks and trains, much to the chagrin of the Union Pacific Railroad Company, which sends a super posse of lawmen and trackers (laughs) to kill them. After a daring escape, the two move to Bolivia with Sundance's girlfriend, Etta, played by Catherine Ross, where they get up to the same old shenanigans. That is, until they're cornered and killed by the Bolivian army. I mean that's basically the whole movie, right? That's, that's, yeah, I mean, there's doesn't some... sound compelling, but it's about the uh, it's about the journey, something like that. <laughs> it takes a long time to get there. So this movie was written by William Goldman, who is notable because he wrote the last movie <laughs> that we watched as well. Um, all the President's he, Men. He, all the President's Men, yes, and he wasn't particularly interested in 
historical accuracy, I guess, with this movie. I mean, the, if you look up what actually happened, the basics are the same. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff happened, but he wasn't really concentrating on making things true to life, I guess, for the sake of entertainment. And why would you with this sort of film? I mean, it's... It's light. Yeah, it's light. It's It's fun. comedic and very kind of anachronistic could be a good word. There's a lot of things in this movie that don't you wouldn't normally see in a Western. Wouldn't see in a Western, you wouldn't see in a period piece. Like right. <laughs> Yeah, the the tone seemed to jump back and forth between a Western and like a campy sixties movie. Yeah. So the initial reviews of the movie weren't great. Mm-mm. They were okay, but that was one of the reasons was that I mean, you're not the only person to pick up on that. It just shifts very quickly back and forth between comedic and sort of like an a buddy western sort of movie and it has a little bit of schizophrenia yeah, I, I think does, i think yeah. but it's it's one of those things where um it's definitely not traditional and being somewhat schizophrenic you're like oh i shouldn't like this because it should have been told this way and yet if i don't think too hard about it i really enjoy watching this movie <laughs> especially and i will say it is a little uneven i think the first third to half of the movie is like more fun than like the latter so let's talk about the intro to the film ali what did you think about it starts off with like a movie right it's just like a dramatization like a, like a little like silent style film. sepia silent film dramatization of i guess the train robbery that's actually going to happen later in the film oh gosh and i have to think back to the beginning of the film that's where we all yeah, started so, huh? yeah yeah it's kind of on the <laughs> left hand side of the screen yeah they just like... split which was actually kind of fun because then they could do the credits without it overlapping the screen right right yeah i remember looking over uh, at adam at that point and i was like oh well the credits are over that's it we can go home now we watch the movie you know <laughs> <laughs> just watch the little little uh, bit off to the side there um yeah it was interesting uh you know to start out the movie that way because you don't really know what you're going to get and to see that come back through the rest of the movie um in the little montages and uh throughout you know i always like looking at old photographs and Mm -hmm. it sets a tone for the period for sure whether the movie sticks to it or not i think we've already hinted at it jumps around but yeah i I really liked the intro of most of what follows is true which i think kind of sets the tone of you know it, it being a period piece that is loosely following a story that happened but they are taking some liberties yeah it's yeah it's a good point i think it actually does a good job of adjusting your expectations for what the movie is going to be. Like, it might have been a little bit harder to be on board with things jumping around like that if they hadn't started that. In fact, I I think at the beginning, there's like a transition, right? There's that sepia-toned film, and then that transitions into the actual movie, but it's still sepia-toned. Yes. And like, no humor whatsoever, and we see... This is with the card game, yeah. right? Well, a little bit of humor, but right at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah. So a little bit of humor there towards the end. So yeah. it's kind of transitioning like from this like sort of serious More like serious, introduction yeah. to like this sort of jokey stuff when everything suddenly turns to Ooh, color a light, few minutes yeah. in. Yeah. I, I really liked with the little silent film in the beginning, too. There's, you know, there's text that goes up on the screen, um, you know, like you would have in a, in a silent film. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and they're, you know, the hole in the wall gang or something like that. But it's like... They're all dead now, but like they used to rule the West, like exclamation point. Like it to me, that actually kind of set the tone. Like the 
Everybody's dead. (laughs) But they had some good times. Let's talk about that. Like, that's what it felt like to me. Or like, let's show a glimpse of that. And so, but again, I was re-watching the movie. And so for me, I was like, oh, I feel like now this sets a tone. But it might be because I had the hindsight of having seen Mm -hmm. it previously. Did you two, based on the intro, did that help adjust your expectations for the movie in the sense that, were you expecting a tragedy? (laughs) I don't think we at had at the end of the movie or not. I don't I mean, think not we had to jump any to the expectations end, yeah. at all. Um I honestly I think I would need to watch the movie again to kind of put it all in perspective. Right. Um yeah. cuz yeah, we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into when we first started watching the movie and uh starting it out like that we're like okay, westerny. Okay, okay, right? That kind of jives with what we're what we're thinking about here and uh yeah, then it goes to the, you know, scene at the card table. Still, yeah, okay, they played cards. Yeah, then uh then we went on a wild journey. So <laughs> yeah. there are only so many ways an outlaw kind of story can end. You know, I guess that's Pro- true. Yeah, I mean, probably not gonna settle down and you know retire <laughs> peacefully. You know, so just kind of expected. You know, knowing. No, the, but I mean, how many? How many know. different like bad guy stories like where it's being told from their perspective do you have where it's like oh we just need to get like the one last big score and then we're gonna retire we're gonna give it up or whatever and i I was appreciated that this didn't do that they're like no we're good at this this is pretty much all we're good at like (laughs) and the only time they even attempted to go straight was just to keep from getting killed and they found (laughs) out they really suck at that (laughs) so we transition away from that introduction to a very jokey film. There's a lot of fun back and forth between Paul There's Newman great and Robert Redford. Yeah. Them, yeah, lots of very quotable lines, and maybe the first half hour of the movie, I think, is like that. Where it's, even maybe a little longer, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's them and a lot of inept. Um, the gang. Yeah, <laughs> the gang is rather inept. There's an inept gang. There's an inept uh, law enforcement. There's they're really not encountering any trouble for the for the first part of the film. So, like you said, that you transition this part where you're just kind of, it's the two of them with some banter bouncing back and forth, but then you have them first encounter, the first other people that you see them encounter are, like, their gang, who they clearly haven't seen in a while, and that's a pretty great scene. <laughs> well, that's because everything's different now. Guns or knives, It's but... harder now. You gotta plan more. You gotta prepare more. Guns or knives? Neither. Pick. I don't want to shoot with you, Harvey. Anything you say, Butch. Maybe there's a way to make a profit in this. Bet on Logan. I would, but who'd bet on you? Sundance. When we're done, if he's dead, you're welcome to stay. Listen, I don't mean to be a sore loser, but uh, when it's done, if I'm dead, kill him. Love to. But, yeah, with, like lowbrow trickery and and snark like yeah. that is how they r- rule this band <laughs> butch cassidy is the smart talking i guess idea man mm-hmm. <laughs> right not always the best ideas but he but constantly he, he has, has them, lots yeah. of them <laughs> and sundance is the i guess enforcer sure maybe he's yeah. he's good with a gun right and mm-hmm. so he can pack up butch even if he says you know if, even if it gets a little bit in, in over his head so adam what did you think about the i don't know if i'd call it a duel scene Butch is being challenged for the uh, leadership of the Hole in the Wall gang. Were you expecting anything from that? Uh, you know, the thing is, like, it, it was kind of an unresolved conflict. I feel like it was sort of mutiny going on and one kicking the balls just 
ended it and everybody like <laughs> oh he clearly is the leader because be, because he bested him by fighting dirty and everybody else you know recognized him as the leader again but i mean it's the it's the tone of the movie i guess yeah but. I, well i mean i love that right after he beats him up or whatever and he's like well we were gonna do this because he had this idea he's like oh that's a pretty good idea <laughs> we should do that yeah. like <laughs> but that conversation doesn't happen before he kicks the guy in the balls <laughs> right right and it, you know it i feel like that could have that conflict could have been used more but it, i guess it wasn't really the point of the movie you know right i think it's just a character introduction more yeah or less, to right? get a feel for like what what kind of guys they are i mean and, and you see that carried out throughout the next few scenes because when they do go to rob the train like the interactions with the guy who's trying to protect the safe the little kind of wimpy nerdy guy uh, who's yeah. pre- um i can't think of his name right now woodcock <laughs> is it? yes it's woodcock and he's like woodcock is that you you know like whatever you like knows him and he's, you know they're like bantering like through the train door to you know try to get him to open up like well, i can't do that you know i've been hired da, 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 da. and just like the silly banter on both both robbery attempts i guess is really pretty fun i i did enjoy the banter you know with with woodcock and the you know you know the scene that where the super posse first showed up and and that sort of silliness i thought he was like one of the like i, I feel like those interactions were some of the like funnier bits of the movie but it was it was kind of short-lived you know it was just like a short stretch of the film and the same thing with like you know the lurch character you know in the, in the fight yeah um like i don't know there are a few different side characters like that where they're in the movie for you know 10 minutes and then they're gone you kind of build up some character and then they're out of it and even and, the whole hole in the wall gang you right. know they were prominent at the beginning their name was dropped and then they showed up again a little bit you know later like oh you know where does butch Cassidy come from kind of a thing but they really weren't part of the movie i mean it was Butch yeah. and Sundance, so. And then it segues to like 45 minutes of them riding horses across the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. Like There was even that guy in the hole of the wild gang. I didn't notice it until this time. His name is News. Uh-huh. Because he carries around news articles or something. And I'm like, and that's re- pretty funny. And right? he really likes reading his name and, in the news. In the news, but that's yeah. it. Like, you see him in that one scene, and then I guess maybe he's, I mean, he's probably at the the train robbery, too, but, like, that's probably, all you get from that him. You don't really see him, yeah. So you're right. It's just, like, kind of a lot of picking up characters and then dropping them, and the only, there's only three really important characters in the movie, and everybody else is kind of, you know, expendable. Yeah, and the, like, screenplay-wise. Yeah, the first, like, third of the movie had, you know, several different likable, interesting characters that were funny and, you know, added to the movie, and then, like, the rest of it, it's, you know, pretty much... Butch and Sundance, and then Etta, who's, you know, just, they didn't really flesh out all that much. You yeah. know, she she was like, you know, a school teacher who agreed to go along and darn their socks and, and this and that. And then, you know, she she helps out with the robberies here and there, but she hardly is speaking there. You know, the, the bit where she's, I guess we're, might, we might be jumping ahead, but, you know, where she's, you know, teaching them Spanish, that was entertaining. Mm-hmm. But, like, for, for as... You know, she she was a third of the lead cast for like two thirds of the movie, and I feel like they didn't really do enough with her. And she's a great actress. Yeah, I kind of agree with Adam. You know, she didn't get as much character development as I think she could have, and I certainly didn't like seeing her in just the subservient chick role. I mean, you know, yeah. she's participating in these heists, these bank holdups, these robberies. You know, she's the getaway driver, so to speak, with the horse. Um, <laughs> and yeah. She, taught them all that they knew when they were in Bolivia. She taught them Spanish. Like she was instrumental to their success down there. And uh, you really didn't get much out of her other than, oh, she's a pretty girl with a hat and, you know, at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's got a ranch 
the or a house that they can stay in, right? Yeah. She's the hideout for them. Well, she's 26 and she's a school teacher, so she's clearly past her prime. Her <laughs> life is over. <laughs> I, I do want to point out that she said that's, what did she say? That's like pretty much the bottom of the barrel, I think is actually the phrase she uses, but it's, it's something <laughs> akin to that. Anyway, so yeah, it's, and I was like, oh yeah, I, re- I, re- I remember. I remember when you're 26 and you think these things. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. They don't, they don't develop her very much. I find it interesting how they used her. Um, I mean, like I said, it's not developed. Like, she's definitely not considered to be equal with the other leads by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, yeah, she's just kind of there as a generic support, but to both of our lead male characters. Like, the way you get introduced to her character at all. Sundance sneaks into her house. She's a school teacher. He clearly, whatever, just, you know, sneaks in her house. She comes home, but you don't even know he's there. You just see her enter her home. You see her start to get undressed and he's just sitting there in the dark and totally startles her. And you have no idea that these people know each other at all. You think he's doing something a little scandalous. Right, <laughs> well, yeah. Not, my, not my home not invasion a little. alarm like, was yes. going off. Yeah, like he's just like, oh, this is convenient. A school teacher to rape. Right. But uh, yeah. he holds her up at gunpoint and has her, her so totally strip and you know take her hair down and shake it out and whatever um and you know to comedic effect when he goes over to kiss her she goes you know gives him a hard time like couldn't you just show up on time just once or something Mm -hmm. like that and gives him sass and and then you were supposed to be like oh i get it they're together yeah but in the morning while he's still sleeping you know he's like the manly like muscle like oh hey thanks babe oh but now for like intellectual stimulation and fun let me go outside and go on the sweet fun bicycle ride with butch yep yep like together, they're like one man. <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, they complement each other in a way that, yeah, maybe just adds up to one. <laughs> well, because Butch is sweet person. and funny and goofy and light, mm-hmm. and Sundance is more quiet and serious in general. Yeah, I don't know what it was supposed to be about. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm making this up literally on the fly, so you guys feel free to hop in and yeah. disagree. Uh, well, I guess when you first get that impression that. There's something, at least some sort of complex relationship between all of them. How did you feel about that? Well, I I expected it to go somewhere, and it never really did. <laughs> you know, that's like, a theme with this movie, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it seemed like it, a lot of build up to you know some conflict that might eventually be resolved, and you know you kind of see references to that dynamic half of the movie later when they first get to Bolivia, and it again just you know kind of is is background for some of their interactions but it never really resolves itself or well they entered as like another character i mean if you think about the timing when when etta and butch get back from their bicycle ride um and she's in his arms and says if we would have met first you know would we have been involved and he says we are and they hug and he kisses her on the cheek and like on her shoulder i think even like they're a couple but again never on the lips Mm -hmm. and so then Sundance comes out in his underwear, all groggy, and is like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm stealing your woman. And he's like, take her. <laughs> and he, he just, like repeats it and like goes inside. And so almost similar to like the introduction of the gang characters or something that's interesting. It's like, we introduce it. And then we set it aside. Right. Like, yeah. Almost in the same breath. Yeah. Take her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the bicycle scene itself was just okay, hard, so, hard, yeah. hard to watch. Like, I... I <laughs> I really did not uh, go for that scene. I think Allie would agree. <laughs> so that that whole part of the movie where we're first introduced to Etta, um, we got to the point of the bicycle ride before they even go on it. And I was just kind of like, 
no, that is not funny. This is not cool. Like, you do not come into a house and point a gun at someone and have them take their clothes. No, no. I was just like, no. <laughs> so I went into the bicycle movie with like, this is not cool. I, I don't like this. I'm, I'm uncomfortable. No, this is not cool. And then they go on this bicycle ride and we get the song. Raindrops keep falling on my oh, head, God. man. <laughs> so you get the song and you're like, I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and... I love bicycles. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I did love the trick riding that Butch did. I think that was great. Um, but the whole scene of them together after the introduction with Sundance and Etta and oh, it was so slimy and so gross. By the end of it, when he was like, or when she was like, you know, could we have been together? I was just like, no, no, this is not good. This is not what girls do. No. <laughs> so. Yeah. And based on based on everything about the movie like it's not supposed to feel that way right i mean that's how it comes off i yeah. agree with you but it's they're definitely going for a different tone <laughs> in that <laughs> section it's supposed to be fun and light and happy right here's their so i guess i'm totally because i i mean face value i totally agree with you but i'm watching this and i'm like well clearly it's not the message that they're wanting me to so so mm-hmm. i'm going to back up a level and go oh okay so she has her pick right she can take which parts of these men she wants for herself and just kind of like whatever and so in this tiny way she's running the show it's like okay Okay. i get to have sex with sundance and i get to have fun (laughs) with butch and like joke around and he's sweet to her like he genuinely is way kinder to her than sundance ever is and and jokes around and is cutesy and whatever and she gets to experience both of those and so i'm like okay sure like i'll take it and be like yeah i don't think this is legit or realistic remotely and yeah it's kind of lame role for a girl whatever but in order to proceed I will accept this little packaged assumption. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess she is to some extent getting what she wants, right? I mean, she's as two guys that's they don't she develop likes to hang out enough, with and she has a, she says that she has a boring life and she's they're the most exciting thing to ever happen to her. Yeah. So But I feel like there were several elements that definitely looked and sounded sixties ish for a movie that's supposed to be taking place in the Late 1800s, early 1900s. I kept looking for things in the movie that's like, oh, they're trying to make some sort of comparison to like the 60s or like early 70s. I mean, Catherine Ross, the actress Catherine Ross, is kind of a quintessential 1960s beautiful woman. Like in terms Mm -hmm. of like what what characteristics were considered the height of beauty in the 60s are all her. She has her long kind of straight, a little bit wavy brown hair that, you know, when she shakes it out, like hangs in her face and... They show an awful lot of her body uh, for that time mm-hmm. period. Like she's tooling around on the bike with her big flowy skirts that are all hiked up. So it's almost mini skirt like, you know, to show a lot of that. And I don't know, just I don't know. Her overall appearance felt very 60s to me. So like that combination, like on the bicycle, like with the raindrops falling on my head, I'm like, and now we're going to take a brief aside to celebrate this decade. <laughs> I don't really know why. So then we get to one of the longest sequences in the movie, the tracking sequence where after one of the robberies the super posse starts to chase them and he just chases butch and sundance and there's probably at least 20 minutes oh yeah easily 20 minutes of them being chased through the desert um and there's comedic elements to it but it we start out with a very funny movie and then transition to this long sequence it was long um, and I think at that point, so at that point, you know, going to the movie cold and having seen as much of it as we had, I was kind of like, where, you know, where's this going? Um, the one thing that I was able to enjoy positive side, the scenery, um, 
just the setting was beautiful. Was like really seeing pretty. the mountains and mm-hmm. seeing the the cinematography where they're zooming in on on the chase. You know, who are these guys in the distance, and what can you see far away? Um, and just the terrain they're going over. They're going over sand and rock. They're going up hills and, and mountains and running through the scrub in the desert. Um, so that was that was really pretty to me. I really enjoyed that. And uh, the suspense, though, I felt like we were a little bit lost. We were just wandering through the desert. Um, the suspense wasn't as tense as I think it probably could have been. That would have made it much more interesting. Um, so yeah, we just we just had to get to the get to the end there. <laughs> what do you think would have made it more tense? A few more close calls, maybe. Oh, okay, they were a yeah. little too far away for the most part. I mean, you knew they were coming, and they were coming closer, and you were learning a little bit more about who could that be. You know, is it is it this Native American that we've read about? Is it this guy with the white hat? You know, you find out a little bit more about who might be tracking them um, and what they're willing to do. Are they smart? Are they stupid? Are they going to fall for the diversions? You know, the horse going the other way? Um, are they going to actually follow us up the up this terrain? You know, and uh, they do. They're I good s- trackers. I think I saw it as a deterioration of like Butch's Butch is an idea man. So you start off and it's like, no problem. First of all, like they made it to their little brothel and he sends his buddy out there, this little old guy, whatever, who's supposed to be this great liar. Like he's so confident in this, he gets himself his regular hooker. It's like, oh, they came back. Crap, we gotta go. And so then they take off and he's like, oh, this is no problem. This is this is no sweat because we have these other horses and so they're going to do that. And then that didn't work. So then they you know, hopped on the same horse. And so now they're both on the same horse. They've lost a horse and they're going up different terrain. They go across rocks. This is totally going to work. And then that doesn't work. And so at each step, he's sure that he's like figured it out. And it's becoming like more and more obvious. It's like, no, you, you're totally being outgunned this time. Like you, your charm and your generic ideas that are kind of crazy pants are not going to really work anymore. And then of course the most ridiculous crazy pants idea does get them out of it, which is a little bit annoying, but um <laughs> Yeah, they jump off the cliffs and into rapids and survive. And I actually find that scene, again, without thinking hard, I find that to be a hilarious scene. Like when they're like almost drowning and like they're threatening each other like all the way down the river or whatever. <laughs> well, if you've ever tried to jump into rapids with someone who can't swim, I think that's always a bit comedic too. <laughs> no, I just... <laughs> I just- just the like, I love the argument about whether or not they're going to stay and fight or jump in. And then it culminates in Sundance admitting that he doesn't know how to swim. And like, that's the reason. <laughs> that, that was one of the better scenes in the movie, I thought, was that, you know, cliffside banter about jumping off the cliff. Um, I actually remember seeing that film clip in Microsoft and Carta. <laughs> <laughs> the CD encyclopedia that came with like Windows 3.1. Yeah, I remember that, too, because I would just go through and watch all the videos. It was so amazing to be able to watch, like, little tiny videos. And, yeah. Know, yeah. I'd and watch all of them. <laughs> that was one of them. Yeah. So it was that scene uh, because of its cinematic significance. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I kind of like the suspense of the chase. Um, I think the, the peak of the chase was with the lanterns and seeing them spread out and then come back together. I think that was like a cool shot and it had a lot of suspense and mystery. Like to, you know, who are these guys? But, you know, kind of keeping with the trend, they sort of theorize over who's chasing them, you know, LaForce and the Lord Baltimore, and they're kind of built up as, you know, the, the famous tracker and the famous lawman. And you expect to see them at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, I mean, you see the white hat a little bit and, and you, they evade them. And, you know, I guess there's a slight reference to LaForce 
in Bolivia, but it may or may not be him. It was just a white hat, and that kind of triggered their uh, panic. But, you know, it, it's something else that was kind of built up and then never really resolved or went anywhere or had, like, a, you know... Yeah, given that it's, a super, it's not the super posse that kills them. No, it's kind of like, oh. They get away, yeah. Which, from going from the beginning, since it's not a story that's just being written, since it is loosely based on what actually happened, well, if that's what actually happened, <laughs> yeah, at least yeah. elements of it, you know what I'm saying? Like, they did retreat after, you know, they had this super posse created and going after them, and they said, oh, well, fine, we'll leave then, and we'll take our criminal ways <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> and and then they did that, and I was reading, because um, obviously it's relatively short in the film, they were in Bolivia for eight years, and apparently were way more notorious there than they ever were in the United States, yeah. Yeah. which you're like, oh, well, that was a good run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe so maybe the real like villain or antagonist in the movie is, you know, them pushing their luck. You're not wrong about that. I that's they have this sort of theme about like this is what they're supposed to do, right? And there's only so long they can do it. Like inevitably, like it's going to kill them at some point, right? And they buy themselves some time by leaving, but it's only so much, right? So and I kept thinking, why do they need to keep robbing? I mean, are these banks that tiny? Are these trains that empty of money? Um, at some point, you think, ah, we got enough cash, you know. I think lay low for a while. I think. I think. I mean, well, I guess. I guess I assumed that with all of the random idea generating that Butch does earlier in the film to be like, well, we should join the the war against the Spanish, or we should. And he tries to come up with all these different things that could be legit. I mean, at one point they talk about ranching and the, the, I don't know, like all these different goofy little things. But I think we're supposed to just be like, this is what we do. We enjoy doing it. We're good at it. We like doing it. So we're just going to die doing this. Yeah, And they do establish earlier that Butch likes to spend money, mm -hmm. right? There's a whole oh, little yeah. conversation about it. It's like, oh, you just blow your money all the time and you go on vacations and I think it's because, like, he just wants to give himself an excuse to rob another bank. Maybe. Really. He buys rounds for everybody. It's cetera, kind of the nature of who they are and what yeah. they do. I mean, there's not really any changing them. In fact, so they travel to Bolivia, and they try to actually get a job, like, uh, protecting the payroll. Uh, well, one thing about the payroll bit was that, you know, in trying to reclaim the payroll, it was the first time that Butch ever shot anybody. Right. Which is interesting. Like, you know, the one time that they try to go straight is the one time that he actually ends up killing somebody. Kill somebody yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they attempt at some point to do something other than what they're really meant to do. And it doesn't go well for them. And that brings up another interesting thing that happens throughout the movie is that they don't really know a whole heck of a lot about each other. For as much as they spend time together, uh, in one of the first scenes of the movie, they actually talk to each other about what their real names are, which they've never told each other before. Like, Sundance doesn't know how to swim. Somehow that's never come up. And so Butch all of doesn't know that Sundance is from Jersey. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was okay with that. I, I, I've, known, I've known men who talk about that much. <laughs> about things that actually of substance. Because Butch is definitely chatty, and Sundance is definitely more quiet, more stoic, but... The things that Butch is chatty about are shallow for the most part. Mm -hmm. So they jump off the cliff. Then they're going to go to Bolivia, right? So they take Edda with them. And we have this sort of middle of the movie montage that really cuts the whole thing in half. Really very much so. It's like an yeah. intermission. And I guess one of the reasons that it's this series of old-timey photos with them 
the the actors superimposed on top of them. But I guess originally what they were intending to do was the set of Hello Dolly was oh um they thought was going to be available to actually shoot these scenes and they didn't have enough they didn't get permission or they didn't have enough time (laughs) so all they were able to do was just go and shoot these photos on the set that's amazing and then recreate everything afterward um yeah so i guess they they made some lemonade i mean out of what they had i guess so it is weird i mean like you said it cuts the movie you get you're we're supposed to understand they eventually have made their way they make their way to new york and then they make their way onto a boat to, like, go down to Bolivia. Well, it seemed like they were having a great time. You know, they were traveling, obviously, from the west to the east coast, and they were having a good time in the city. They were seeing a lot of things, amusement parks, beaches, you know, living the the rich, you know, high life in the urban environment. And then they hop on this ship, and then they're down to Bolivia. Um, I was kind of like, well, if they got that far away from Wyoming and the Wild West... Why couldn't they just make it New York? Press some great banks there, you know? Um, did they rob? I don't know. They just seem to be enjoying being socialites in, in some of those montage clips. Um, but yeah, they actually wound up going to Bolivia. I was like, well, maybe they're not going to go to Bolivia. You know, they, they seem to be enjoying themselves a lot. So I, were they trying to juxtapose like the like cosmopolitan, whatever? Like, I mean, you see shots of them in like, you know, tuxedos and like fancy, whatever. I don't know, taking in all these things. And And then it cuts to them being dumped off the train, like getting off the train platform or whatever in Bolivia. And it's like livestock. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You have chickens and some goats. And I think there's like a llama or something. I don't know. It's just this weird hodgepodge of animals with like run down little shanties. And Sundance gets all. Angry. And they were definitely overdressed when they got off that train, too. Oh, yeah. Both in the sense of, wow, it must have been really hot in Bolivia. And also, like, you know, Way there were a fancy. bunch of little piggies. <laughs> they were so cute. <laughs> so, how did you feel about the second half of the movie, the Bolivia? If you had to choose between the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie, which half did you like better? I think it would make sense to split it into thirds. Oh, okay. Good point. Because the. And I would put the first third of the movie at the top. The last third, number two, and then the middle third with the chase kind of dragged on as number three. You know, I I, I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed the part where Edo was teaching them Spanish to hold up the bank, and then them trying to fumble through it, and Butch trying to like look at the crib sheet and going through like the script, even though they had already like <laughs> done done everything. They're already against yeah. the wall. Their hands are already in the air. <laughs> and uh, you know, so I liked it, but it it just sort of felt a little meandering at that point you know mm-hmm. i feel like it just there was no there was no end goal you know there was no like you know okay well, i guess we're gonna be in bolivia and keep robbing banks for a while like no that's yeah that's something i hadn't thought about too is that plot wise what's going on they ran away now they're in bolivia <laughs> what's gonna happen like there's yeah, no there good sense no, in the audience no like what the conflict arc. is I mean, I mean I besides the, the fact that, that, that they're always in danger i don't get the impression that anybody was trying even to have an arc Right. Quite yeah. honestly, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, I don't know, if you truly just take a snapshot of a portion of a person's life and you're like, oh, like it wasn't like there's going to be a, okay, so here you're presented with a problem and then there's a struggle and there's a climax and there's a solution. It was like, oh, well, we did this stuff and then we did this stuff and then, you know, I moved to St. Louis and then I moved back to Madison and then I'm now going to move to Texas. This is a great story, guys. But you know what I mean? Like, and then I found $5. So you're right. There isn't anything. It does feel meandering. Yeah, but but you have motivations for all those things. And there are reasons. And, you know, there's like, there are goals. And like, the only motivations I see was, you know, like, 
not dying. It's not dying. I mean, like, there were no concrete motivations. They were just getting by. So, okay. I feel like the fact that you have Paul Newman and Robert Redford and the way they introduce the characters with kind of the funny banter, they're clearly very charming. Even the people they're robbing oftentimes like them. (laughs) You know, they end up establishing relationships with whores in brothels and with like the piano guy and with the whatever like they have these little relationships with people kind of spread out all you know during this during kind of the heyday of them being robbers if you eliminated that element and made this more not documentary not like true documentary like still make it a film or whatever but say okay like this is the story of butch cassidy and the sundance kid and you showed a little bit more of like okay here's robber here's whatever we escape and it's not this like the buddy cop elements completely eliminated. Would you like it more or less? Because I honestly don't know myself. It's a very different movie. I mean, I, I did a little like background reading on the actual Butch Cassidy and you know, the Wild Bunch, and uh, you know, it's a good story on it, its own. But I, I don't know that I would like it more. You know, I think the purpose of the movie was more so to be a vehicle for you know the actors to banner and have it to be have it be comedic and have it be a blockbuster. Which it was. It was yeah. the highest grossing film of the year. Well, it's debating because the what movie came out, I don't know, a decade or so ago, that Jesse James has a really long title. Uh, the Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. <laughs> exactly. The really long wordy title. And like that one to me was what this maybe could have been, which was like I a see, true no. story of like, this is this is this person who actually lived. And it's not perfectly accurate, but like here's like what could have gone down or this is maybe it was like in as a serious thing versus this goofy like you said, like buddy cop element-ish way of telling the story. Jessica, you think it would have been a much better film if it had just doubled down on one thing or the other? Or like oh, tried not, to be something? I'm I mean, not I'm even saying that. I genuinely don't know the answer. I was just thinking about the fact that it is kind of two things. It's trying to... It, it, it has no arc because it's going off of some historical facts all right it's going off of some of that so we don't have a story arc but then we don't really focus on the historical accuracy either like we're tethered by it and it limits the way we can tell the story but not in a good way we're like we focus on it and then use that to leverage like something interesting about that historical you know story but again this is my watching it for the purpose of the podcast and previous watchings when i'm not thinking real hard i'm like oh that was pleasant yeah it's fun and light, and I didn't really mind. Um, but yeah, definitely this viewing, you're like, you have no idea what you're doing. Like, it's you're just kind of all over the map with this thing. Which apparently, um, when the script was first written, uh, like, no movie um, develop- developers, what's the word I'm like, producers, whatever, yeah. had any interest in producing the film. Um, but their biggest <clears throat> objection was that the guys do go to Bolivia because they're like, oh, like, Westerns or whatever, like, the bad guys, like, they don't retreat. Like, that's lame. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, you can't do that. And they're like, but that's what happened. <laughs> so they had to, like, rewrite it and tweak it and tell people, were like, oh, okay, well, now we'll accept it, even though it still included that piece. But, like, that apparently was the most objectionable part, was, like, they should stay and stand their ground. One other thing about the ending. Um, so they're kind of discovered because they rob a payroll and they bring a mule into town and it has a brand for a ranch that somebody recognizes and goes to the police and notifies them. That, that apparently is essentially what happened in real life. Yeah. So it's again, it's just really interesting the things they decide to decide to keep and the things that <laughs> this they. This is yeah. important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so let's talk then about the ending. So the law is on to them. They know that they're here. They get cornered, and there's a big shootout. 
But they do eventually both get shot and are holed up in a house. And then the Bolivian army shows up just apropos of nothing. I think they just happen to be around, right? I, I, that's unclear It's in Spanish me. again, so. Yeah, because you go from police force to army, but, you know, whatevs. Oh, yeah, no, actually, we do know that because they have to explain who it is that they've got cornered. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, because the army's like, what? Two guys? <laughs> uh, Ali, how did you feel about that final scene? Again, all these tonal shifts from like one type of movie to another, and then suddenly we're in this big shootout. Yeah, it's kind of like they get to that point. They're both shot. They're both hurting. And you know that, okay, we're not going to recover from this. We've been sitting here for, you know, an hour and a half. It's it's time now. How's this going to end? But yeah, you know, when they're when they're about ready to go out shooting, that's going to be it. But they still go out shooting. So it makes it on their terms. Yeah. That's the way I took it. I liked that, you know, Butch is still coming up with ideas because, you know, oh, yeah. they're going to go to Australia now. <laughs> yeah. Well, they speak English at least, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, um, according to the Wikipedia article about how their standoff ended, the standoff lasted through the night. Around 2 o'clock in the morning, they heard two shots from the building they were holed out in, and they cautiously entered in the morning and found uh, one of them with a gunshot wound to the head and the other, you know, with a gun in his hand. And so, they, so one of them apparently put the other out of his misery and then took his own life which I guess, th- yeah. that would have been a pretty dark end to a buddy <laughs> cop movie, a murder know? suicide <laughs> so, pact i mean that's on their own terms too i guess True. right but um <laughs> not surprised they didn't decided not to end it that way so what you do get is you get the scene of them both running out and then freeze frame and which this, is an iconic it is shot yeah, yeah it turns sepia toned and that's like a like a photograph Probably a better sepia tone photograph than the uh, historically accurate version. Would have been. <laughs> I like the ending. Um, I think with the movie as a whole, it took me a while to figure out what the heck am I watching? And, you know, having the, the visceral reaction that I did to Edda's character being introduced, I, it, the movie kind of had to recover a little bit for me. And then once they finally got through the chase sequence and then we're on our way to Bolivia, I was like, all right, I kind of get where this is going now. You know, I can kind of sit back and just enjoy this. And so by the end, you know, it ended the way that I thought it would. You know, you got guys robbing banks in the West and well, there you go. They finally get caught. But it takes the whole Bolivian army to get them. <laughs> just n- not just regular law enforcement. So, Ali, overall, what did you think of this? I feel more positive about the film having discussed it both with Adam after the movie, during the movie, and then with you guys on this podcast. Um, I think if I went back and watched it again, I may get more enjoyment out of it. But man, at first, it was kind of like, what are we watching? And, you know, what else came out this year? Why why would people have gone to see this? Like, yeah, there are famous people in it, but, you know, it's it's not really doing a lot for me. So, um that was kind of my impression. So there were parts, obviously, that we that we all enjoyed and, and elements of cinematography and banter um, that were charming. But yeah, I thought the movie started really strong and the, you know, character interactions between, you know, Butch and Sundance and the, the gang and all of the supporting characters were all, you know, well written and, you know, very snappy dialogue. And then, you know, we spend that whole stretch of movie with, you know, very little dialogue. And what's there is good between, uh, you know, Butch and Sundance is there uh, evading. And the cinematography is good, but it, it feels very different. And then, um, you know, the the last third of the movie in terms of, like, pacing and content just kind of felt a little tacked on. And I know it's, you know, historically what happened, but I, I think it just didn't... 
I feel like the 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 overall pacing of the movie was was off for me, and it was hard to really like settle in. But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it, but yeah. I, and I, I, you know, maybe on a rewatch, I'd like it more, and I'd appreciate you know the the bits of dialogue more. And there there were parts that were really under- entertaining, but on the whole, it felt pretty uneven. So this is a movie that I've seen dozens of times. It's the one I actually own. And this is the first time I've actually, because of the podcast, the first time I've actually sat down to really like analyze and look into it. And I don't think there's a ton there for that. I don't think this is the type of movie you're supposed to do that with necessarily. I mean, it's got all of those separate elements that you're talking about. And each individual thing is kind of fun. But when you try to mash it all together the way that they did, it just, I don't know. It's the, tonally, it's shifting all the time. I I would actually say on this rewatch, my opinion of the movie went down a little bit. So I am going to have to watch it again and just turn my brain off. <laughs> I think for, for it to rebound. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to ruin it for you. No, no, there, no. There's no, certain, no. There are certain <laughs> movies that blame the podcast. I mean, it, I had a similar experience when we um, watched and then talked about um, Sixteen Candles because it's a movie that I've always loved. And then when watching it with Kara, who had never seen it before, and her reactions to some of the things and like some horribly racist things and some really horribly sexist things. And it's like, oh, I my 1980s brain, like when watching it in 1980s mode, just edited that all out. And right. I just enjoyed it. And so I felt like this was similar. I agree with you, Charlie, that my estimation of the film went down. But if you don't think hard, it can be really fun. Yeah, I'm sure there are lots of movies like that. Like, I don't know. I really loved the Ninja Turtles movie when it came out, but I'm sure if I analyzed it <laughs> cinematically today, it wouldn't carry the it's same. It's true, gravitas, but this is know? again, like you said, this is one of those extremely well respected movies that people seem to like a lot even yeah. today. So again, what but else it, it came out pol- that year? at the time? It was polarizing <laughs> a little bit too. So it can be just be a fun thing with two awesome stars joking back and forth that makes a crap ton of money. Yeah, and everybody loves it. So. I'm cool with that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I guess I guess the the takeaway is that last episode's Robert Redford movie, part one of the Robert Redford <laughs> retrospective, was better. <laughs> yes, so we did them in reverse order too. Well, what so movie we did, did you do? Uh, All the Presidents, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Allie, Adam, thank you for being on the show again. We appreciate having you and. Uh, now that you've watched something we thought you should watch, now's your chance to recommend something that you think everyone else should watch or experience or do or put your tastes out in the world. It's your chance. Well, I'm going to flip it back and uh, give a recommendation for myself, and that's to uh, see the movie Smokey and the Bandit so I can talk intelligently <laughs> about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and Smokey and the Bandit and not be a total idiot. Uh, it is It is a fun romp, and it Tonally, it's a little bit more consistent. <laughs> as I recall, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I'm not sure I'd call it as good of a movie still somehow. <laughs> so that's my cheat of an answer. Um, maybe that'll be another edition of the podcast someday soon. Oh, sure. And uh, I, I think Adam's got a couple of recommendations, so he can cover for me. So it, it's hard not to recommend the best comedy western of all time, Blazing Saddles. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Mel Brooks. And, you say, all you, know. you have to say is Mel Brooks, and everybody's like, oh yeah. Yeah. No. I, you mean the producer of the Elephant Man, Mel Brooks? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, yeah, it's a totally different style of comedy, but, you know, just when when we keep talking about comedy western, that's the first yeah, thing that comes to mind. Yeah. One of my favorites, and I think everybody's probably seen it at this point, but it's good. <laughs> um, and then, 
The other recommendation was for another Paul Newman movie, uh, Cool Hand Luke, which came out a few years before and uh, made Paul Newman a a bigger star than mm-hmm. he was at that point. It was a pretty huge movie, and um, yeah, I was thinking that would be a a good second movie starring the pasta sauce and salad dressing man for Ali to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can make hard boiled eggs. We could have dinner in a movie. There we go. Just hard boiled eggs, <laughs> <laughs> spaghetti sauce. Unfortunately, I don't think this is too timely, but uh, I just saw 2001: A Space Odyssey at the local IMAX theater. Uh, I think it was a limited run engagement, so it may not be available for you to see by the time this episode comes out. But heck, if it ever comes back to any theater near you, it, you should definitely go and check it out. And any other classic movie is definitely worthwhile as well. Car uh, and I, I remember saw Halloween in theaters last Halloween, and it's definitely a different experience when you have uh, an audience around you and a, a big screen to see it on. <sighs> I'm struggling to come up with a good one for this week. Um this one, so for this movie, um, despite kind of its uneven storytelling, um, the the buddy cop portions were the portions that I enjoyed the most. Um, kind of the witty banter and the kind of the, the sillier that things I, that crop yeah, crop up the, and how the they could be likable um, even to cool the people who they were stealing from. <laughs> um, I really that. enjoyed that aspect. So I was feeling very much more like, oh, what other like buddy cop type scenarios do I enjoy? So crazy left turn i am going to recommend hot fuzz if you haven't seen oh, it yeah. because it is one of my all-time favorite uh tongue-in-cheek buddy cop type films one of my favorites love it love it adam Allie, thank you so much for coming back on the show thanks for having me maybe we'll do a number four sometime to be continued yeah. to be continued yes <laughs> and if you want to see more from us go to cinematicrespect.com and check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Letterboxd. What about MySpace? Yes. You on LinkedIn? Yes. Not for the podcast. No. <laughs> GeoCities? Friend Finder? Pet Finder? Tinder? Grinder? <laughs> <laughs> Grinder? Hmm. It's an angle I hadn't thought about. What kind of movies are we watching? You gotta promote, you gotta promote wherever you can. The following tag contains spoilers for the video game Red Dead Redemption. It also, that scene where they come out, and you can cut this, this is kind of an aside, but one thing that the scene at the end where they barged out reminded me of was um, Red Dead Redemption. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that probably is influenced a lot by, well, lots of Westerns, but maybe even this movie, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of what it felt like, because he, you know, he was holed up in a building and, you know, comes out of the barn and he's surrounded by the soldiers and they all open fire it was kind of a similar uh resolution to an outlaw story which probably pulled from from this yeah it seems like the sort of thing that could even be just a direct reference i mean hard to say i've never played the game myself but oh really you haven't no oh i heard it's sorry spoiler alert uh (laughs) just cut that in before i start talking i'm not worried about spoilers (laughs) for video games that's fine